Welcome to the Ted Lasso Fan Club. I am club president and chair Ashley Milani. Uh, wishing everyone a happy new year. Uh, excited to bring you a special episode of today's Coach's Plan podcast. But joining me today is Barry Morrison, head of the Fredericton District Soccer Association, vice president of the Ted Lasso Fan Club, and also now our first repeat guest on the Coach's Plan podcast. So welcome back. Thanks, Ashley. Excited yeah, no, to be here and can't wait to talk about this. No problem. I can't believe uh, that after three seasons, uh, it took us this long to cycle back through our, our guests. <laughs> Small province, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it was bound to happen one of these times. Um, also joining us is Steve LeBlanc, Director of uh, High Performance at Athletics New Brunswick and Head Coach of Athletics and Cross Country at the University de Moncton, uh, Treasurer of the, fan, of the Ted Lasso Fan Club. Um, so thanks for joining us today. Great to be here. I'm impressed that I'm in charge of the money for the organization. So. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we are a, a small, small nonprofit, so we're working with a tight budget, but I'm sure you'll be able to make it work, like with most sport organizations that you've worked with in the past, probably. <laughs> true, true. Oh, man. So so today, um, as you can kind of tell, we're going to be talking about this show, uh, Ted Lasso on Apple TV+, Plus, that has been sweeping the sport community Um uh, a show that really has no business being as good as it is. Uh, we probably will be discussing some spoilers today. So this is my spoiler uh, alert in advance. Um, you've been warned. Um, so I'm going to thank the two of you because you're the ones who introduced me to this podcast. We were talking about it in a coffee and coaching meeting that we had maybe in December. Um, and as, as soon as one of you mentioned it, the other one started fanboying like crazy. And I was like, you know what? This sounds right up my alley. Uh, I think I can I can book this off as professional development hours at work. So I took the rest of the afternoon off uh, and binged it in one sitting. was proud to say. <laughs> and uh, I, I was kind of just expecting to have it on in the background while I was answering some emails. And then the more I was watching it, the more I was like, I need to give this my full attention. This is going to be something really special. So, yeah. so thank you. Yeah, thank you to the two of you for for introducing it to me. You're very welcome. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, so, for those of you who don't know as much about the show, um, the whole kind of gag premise is that uh, Ted Lasso, who's played by Jason Sudeikis, is an American football coach who's hired by an English Premier team, football mm-hmm. soccer team, um, and. I thought the whole joke of the show was going to be that he didn't know what he was standing up for and that he was like, oh, I'm going to co- coach football in, in the UK. But uh, you learned very quickly that he is very, very well aware of what he's getting himself into. He knows that he knows nothing about uh, English soccer, or English football, um, and, but that he's ready to embrace the challenge uh, anyway. So that's that's kind of the setup of the show. Uh, the... Um, the characters you meet along the way are like, I find really well rounded out, uh, each play their own really unique role in how the team kind of comes together, but let's, let's focus on Ted for right now. Um, Ted, who's just this like overwhelmingly relentlessly positive person, uh, is all about focusing on, on coaching to the player and, and, and kind of that transformational coaching style where he's like, I know, I know, don't know anything about this sport. I've got assistant coaches who can kind of back me up on that part. Um, my job is to work with these players. What do you guys think of that as like a, a representation of coaching in, in media? It's pretty different from <clears throat> his portrayal of a coach is quite different from most that we've seen in, in typical TV and, and movie. 
Um, the only other one that I can think of that is similar, which was another one of my favorite shows, which you will not remember, but Barry might, was a show called Coach, which was also about a football coach, but he was actually coaching football. <laughs> <laughs> But it was a similar little bit concept of, of how uh, he responded to things. And he had a completely different personality, but the same idea of, of how does a coach really operate and in, 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 you know, in the real environment, whatever. And it, it, I just think this show is amazing for how well thought out the characters are, mm-hmm. especially Ted. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I mean, like Ted, Ted Lasso is really the Mr. Rogers of coaching, right? Like, <laughs> he's that guy who is just so genuine and so truly cares about the people around him that you're like, oh, man, I just I need to do more of that in my life. I need I need more of that around me and in the environment I'm in. So it really kind of I find always gives you something to think about in terms of how do you kind of how do you portray yourself to the world and how do you kind of help to you know inspire those around you through kind of you know your actions and through caring it's it's really kind of fun to watch i yeah i felt i was becoming a better person as as each episode passed like i felt like a genuinely like more patient more positive person as i was going through it i'm like hey and like that feeling that feeling stuck with me a few for like days afterwards um and even kind of preparing for this episode and kind of going through some of the some of the scenes or some of the lessons that that ted teaches throughout the throughout the season i just was finding myself being reminded of that and then that really kind of I don't know if it subconsciously or very blatantly gave me like a, a more positive outlook on, on my own career or, or some of the projects that I was working on. Um, and I, I don't know if this show hits so hard because it came to us in such a crazy time in the world and was just like this little bright shining spot that we all needed to kind of get through, get through the winter. Um, but I know that for me, it was like, this is hitting really deep right now. I'll admit that I probably wouldn't have watched it if we were in a different time, just because I would have thought, ah, I don't have time for that. But I had kind of watched everything there was to watch on a lot of the streaming <laughs> services. And I and I thought at some point I probably would watch it, but I just finally went, okay, I'm going to watch this and was immediately sucked into it. Like, it's just, you know, I, I think the way you were describing, uh, you know, the effect it had on you is the effect that Ted Lasso has on his players right Mm -hmm. it's this subtle positivity that just eats away at you and you you just want to be a part of it right yeah absolutely it's like one of people on board yeah exactly like the the kind of one of the main characters in the show is this uh general manager for the team who uh has kind of inherited the team from her ex-husband uh but really it's like kind of the ex-husband's team and and so her whole point is that she wants to sabotage it to get back at him and so she hires this coach who knows nothing about the sport as a way of sabotaging the team uh but then uh that kind of works against her because ted is just such a fantastic person that it's it's impossible to hate him (laughs) he's an unstoppable force yeah, that, that's exactly it. And I think like I think also like the the casting of Jason Sudeikis was particularly perfect. Like he just has this ability to be so positive and charming with it without being annoying. That was the part that kind of surprised mm. me. I was like expecting this to be a lot more of an annoying character, but it, it's just too endearing. That's just yeah. all it is. Yeah, I, I think one of the parts I like the best too, like is I don't know, I think it's the second episode or so. So spoiler alert. 
where uh, the newspaper guy comes to spend a day with him to do uh, to do a, a, an in-depth piece on him. And it's basically meant to be a sabotage piece. It's meant for him to just ridicule him and cut him apart in the, in the press to undermine him. And the guy just can't resist writing a positive article about him just because he's, <laughs> he just wins him over with his sincerity. It's, it's a, uh, it's kind of a neat intro into how the series is going to go and how, what impact he has on people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a funny one, right? The reporter's like, Oh sure. Yeah. You're going to go visit an elementary school on the day that I, that yeah. I come to write a story about you. Oh, <laughs> luck has yeah. it. Right. And then he's like, Oh my goodness. He's like, no, this is just actually who this person is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that kind of it, it leads me down like a funny line of thinking of like how how far can you get away with just being so positive and so charming and uh, focusing on kind of working to the person rather than working the sport before like how far can you get down a coaching career before you really do start to need to know the sport? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting pretty far so far. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Ashley, like, I think, I think that what he really shows is vulnerability, right? And he's open to not knowing everything. He's, you know, he, the, the groundskeeper or kit boy gives him his, uh, his first kind of tactics, right? Like, and he's like, oh, okay, great. That sounds wonderful. You've watched this game way more than I have. Whatever you say, let's go, let's do that. You, you know, like, and if you're if you open yourself up to that and if you can kind of maintain that kind of you know no ego maybe you can go a long way i just i think that our egos get in our way we never really get to try it or get to see how far we can go with something because you know even people who don't like even coaches who don't have a big ego at some point at you know at some point they run into it right and uh and he's able to go so far just because he 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 just it never seems to trip him up well, I think the thing too with him is that because he knows he doesn't know, <laughs> he he has great support people around him and and he uses them. He relies on them to provide the parts that he doesn't know. And and so he's he really truly is a manager rather than a a coach in that respect and that he's he's not worried about at least at first about the tactics and so on. As the series go on, you you see that he he's got a tactical mind and he figures it out as he goes along, but he definitely relies on the people who know. And he's, he's, I guess, got a good enough, uh, healthy enough ego that he's okay with, you know, going to the, the kit, the kit boy. And uh, he certainly relies on, uh, on his, on his longtime assistant coach beard, who I think is one of the greatest characters in the show. <laughs> um, you know, he relies on them for that technical side that he knows he doesn't have, and he doesn't pretend to have. And so he really does then just rely on his his ability to read people and to manage people to, to get success. And, and it's kind of neat. Like he does learn the technical side a little bit as the show goes on, although he struggles with offside throughout the entire show. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, he 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 realizes his shortcomings and realizes he has the people around him to, to you know, be the stop gaps on, on what he doesn't know. And, uh, you know, I think there's something to said for that. I mean, I've, I've been in situations where I've had to take over coaching events in track and field that I really didn't feel comfortable coaching uh, at various times in my life. Uh, I mean, only last year I took over coaching cross country, which I never did in my entire coaching career. And suddenly I was coaching cross country, which I understood to a certain extent and, and had participated in, but 
you know, felt a little like a fish out of water to a certain level. And, and so I could relate to that aspect a little bit. I don't, don't know that I approached it with the same uh, exuberance that, uh, that Ted would, but I, I accepted it and went with it. And I had the same experience other times when I've had to, to learn an event um, just out of nature. And we have a saying in track and field that I think applies. It, we always talk about coaching a person rather than event. So we don't say, you know, you know, I'll say, oh, I'm a sprint coach, but it doesn't mean everybody I coach is a sprinter. You know, I coach whatever comes at me is what I have to be able to coach. Whether I know the technical side of it or not, I have to figure out what makes this person tick and figure out how to get them to do what I think needs to be done. So uh, it's a very relatable situation, I think, for most of us. Yeah, totally. It's, a, it, it's, it's totally, you know, relatable being a little bit out of your comfort zone, but relying on your ability to work with and manage people um, to really be what brings about success, I think is, you know, that's a really neat, neat, neat piece. Right. Um, I think the, I think the trust piece is an interesting one as well as like having that, like knowing within yourself, your, your limitations and, and your strengths, but then using the people around you and trusting them that they know what they're talking about um, yeah. or at least trusting them to do their best. And, and if you make mistakes and fail, that's okay. Uh, but you came at it with the right intentions. So that that's kind of the important part, um, right. which kind of brings me back to Nate, the kid boy or groundskeeper. Um, why do you think that uh, Ted kind of fixated on him first as a, as a kind of character that he had to gain trust with? within the organization to, to kind of start bringing the whole team together. I think it's because he recognized that he was an inside person who had been there, had been with the organization probably a long time and knew what was going on behind the scenes and could use that knowledge to his advantage and probably realized this guy probably knows a lot more than he's letting on. So his job title doesn't really explain what he probably knows and and sort of and more they peeled away uh, the layers of that uh, i think they made a reference to another layer of, uh, at some point of nate the great um you know he realizes that more and more what what he's capable of but i think right on he he, he goes okay here's a person that knows what's going on in the clubhouse because this is literally the person who spends the most time in the clubhouse yeah, and I almost read it a little differently than you, Steve. Like I like as you say that, I totally can see it and I totally get get that. But I I really think I read it as just he really believes that it's a flat organizational structure. He's like, right. "Oh, you work for the club too? Oh, well, well then we're equals." Hey, you know, I'm Ted. Oh, you're Nate. Wonderful. Yeah. And you know, he he doesn't have in his in his mind this place of like, "Oh, I'm the coach and you're the the kit man and the uh, and the groundskeeper while I'm above you and you, you know, you answer to me and he has this idea of, Oh, well, we're all here to make this better. We're all here to get it working and let's go. Like you can see really a deliberate process in what Ted's doing. Right. And, and early on you hear him kind of say a few times to beard, like, Oh, we'll win him over. Don't worry about it. Kind of thing. Right. And you can really see that it's a deliberate process that he's instilling across an organization, which is kind of what I found to be one of the most interesting things. Yeah. I made note of that as well as that. Uh, I, I've kind of assumed that he comes in the first time I, I'll admit the first time I watched it, I assumed it was sort of a very two dimensional character, but right. when I, the more you watch it and it's certainly when you rewatch it, which I did this week, um, 
I think he goes in ex- thinking that this is a very tiered system and I'm going to win and break that down. And that's how he goes in to break it down. Um, but, you know, he also, he's a, as much as they make fun of him for being this root and tootin' cowboy or, you know, other terms they use for him, Ronald McDonald, I think. <laughs> um, he's super smart about knowing people and knowing how to get what he wants out of them. And I mean, the, the, some of the things he does where, I mean, he knows that these players are not going to accept him right away. He knows they're not going to have any respect for him right away. So he basically sets out earning that respect by what he does and how he does and, and following through on simple things like fixing the showers, which is an odd turning point. I think in the story is he gets the showers fixed again, spoiler alert, sorry. (laughs) <laughs> he gets the showers fixed in the clubhouse, which sounds like a weird thing, but it actually is a little bit of a turning point in the players kind of going, oh, this guy actually means what he says. He's going to do what he says he's going to do. He says he's going to fix it. And he did. And it's a small thing, but it, it has a very big impact on their belief in, oh, this guy is legit. He's not just saying these words. He believes this and he's going to follow through on it. And it, it's neat to watch all the little sometimes overt ways that he does it and sometimes very subtle ways that he sets about changing the culture of the team and and the whole organization right from the owner on down it's (laughs) again the second watching i enjoyed even more than the first because i was already kind of aware now of the characters and i was able to look for a little more of the nuances and subtleties that i wasn't expecting or looking for the first time through and you're like oh wow like it's (laughs) so well written (laughs) yeah absolutely well, and I love, like, Steve, you talk about the the fixing of the showers. I mean, what I love is that came from the suggestion box, right? Yeah. Like, like Nate did, you know, a handcrafted with his knees kind of suggestion box, and all the players were, you know, really kind of dismissing the suggestion box. And, you know, and, and the scene is he's, he's, like, at the pub having a beer going through it. And it's like, you know, uh something disparate, you know, just disparaging comments about him. And then he's like, Oh, fix the showers. Yeah, we can do that. Here you go. Coach beard. Let's get that sorted tomorrow. Oh, better snacks than dressing room. Here you go. Coach beard. Two of them are useful. The rest of them are just making fun of me. (laughs) Right. He's like, no big deal. No problem. Put those back in the box. On we go. Right. Fixes the two things that that people actually suggested he do and, and, uh, and wins them over. Right. Well, begins that process, which, yeah, you know, again, like as a coach, that's like, think about that tool, right? We've all used some form of a suggestion box or we've all used some form of, hey, players, we'd like your your feedback to help us improve, you know? And sometimes I think even as coaches, we dismiss things as too small. Oh, well, why would I fix the showers? Like, you know, if I'm going to spend $400, it's going to be on nicer soccer balls in my world, right? Or Or better equipment for your track and field program, you know? it's it's not going to be getting in a, another plumber to fix the shower like that just doesn't isn't where we're going to kind of go often and and he just does it i think it's amazing yeah like he again he he uses these tools i guess to get buy in from the player like yeah. tell me what you want me to do and i'll do it and they tell him and then he he does it and they go oh wow he's actually going to follow through on this stuff and and yeah. so it's kind of neat to watch that and then the other big thing i i really found was how he uses the players themselves to change the culture in the dressing room. Like he doesn't come in and say, this is the way it's going to be. He sort of comes in and says, this is the way I'd like it to be. But then he lets them 
sort it out for themselves to a certain extent. He tricks them a little bit <laughs> and he puts pressure on them to make those changes. But he knows that the only time that you're going to have a real change in culture, a meaningful lasting change in the culture of a team or a program is if it comes from the athletes, from the players. And that's what he sets about doing. There's, there's one scene again, spoiler alert, where uh, some of the players are, are sort of uh, harassing uh, Nate, who at that point is still just the sort of uh, mousy uh, kit man. And uh, some of the players are, are, are kind of, you know, bullying him. And the guy who's the captain, who's the sort of old grizzly veteran on the team who, you know, uh, comes into the coach's office and says, Hey, they're, they're picking on Nate. And the coach says, yeah, I know. And he says, well, aren't you going to do anything about it? And he's like, no. And the player is like thinking, well, what's wrong with this guy? So then it, he takes it upon himself to go step in and make the change, which is what the coach wanted all along. He didn't want to come in and be the one delivering it. He wanted to come from within the team realizing that would be more impactful and uh, you know, would have a longer lasting effect than him coming in and, Hey, just cut that out. Um, so it, it's those kinds of things that he does. Those behaviors that he's modeling in, in the show are, are just so bang on, like such great examples of how to handle those situations and how to manage your people. Like it's, you know, I've, I've had the experience of, of, changing venues uh, often in my coaching career. I've, I've coached in several different cities and been with different teams and universities and clubs. And so I've often been the new guy coming in and going, okay, I'm starting from scratch. You know, how do I build something here? And the experience I've had is exactly that. You have to get buy-in from the, the, the athletes themselves have to be the ones that help build what that culture is going to look like. And you can subtly nudge it, but you, it has to come from them to, if it's going to be lasting and it's going to be impactful. And I just think he models that really well in several different instances in the show. That's basically what he does. He puts it on the players to be the ones that are making the changes. Yeah. I think that's a good point. And like, if you, if you go back to that kind of the veteran grizzly old kind of captain of the team, um, there's like a major conflict at one point between him and the, like the up, young upcoming kind of hotshot superstar soccer player um and yeah there's some major conflict between them for a good part of the show and um and eventually he has to kind of work on like figuring out how do i fix this part of it because this is affecting so much more of the team so mm -hmm. I, barry the last time you were on actually talking about this was managing conflict this, this exact conversation like how do we find uh common ground or meeting points between players and how do you how do you work to kind of um kind of create some cohesion amongst your group even though they might be coming from totally different backgrounds, very different points of view, not not uh, that set on getting along with each other. Like, how do you how do you make the team kind of come together that way? It's that group development process that you work through with the team, right? And we or you know we talk about it in all sorts of different different ways. But he you know he brings in and 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 he allows space for that, right? And he allows there to be conflict without it being unhealthy, and he you know, molds the conflict to, you know, to the way he wants, like redirects things slowly, but surely to allow it to move to the point that it, that it needs to get to, but he doesn't try and rush through it. Right. Or he doesn't try and pretend it doesn't exist. He, you know, he allows it to live and he allows it to work, work its way through naturally 
which makes it a more powerful moment for all of them involved, right? Like, you know, by the actions of the coach, right? Or the non-actions of the coach. I thought it was really, really cool. I think he, what he does in a lot of instances and throughout the show is he finds ways for the players to come to the realization on their own of what needs to be done or what the problem is and how they're going to tackle it rather than him just coming in and overtly saying, this is what we must do, or this is what you must do. He leads them down the path to a certain extent, but still lets them be the one that does the aha. Oh crap. This is the problem. And this is how I have to fix it. You know, like it's time. And again, that seems to be the approach he uses is having them. But having said that, the part that I like too is there's uh, one particular uh, time in the show, you know, he's always Mr. Positive and Mr. Easygoing and, and, and sort of uh, very passively leading people down the path they want to go. But there's one in particular case where he calls a player out and calls them out face to face in a very harsh way because he realizes this is what needs to be done at this point. And he's willing to do that. He changes his style of, uh, of managing, he changes his style of communication because in that situation, he knows that the, that that's going to be more impactful or it's more likely what, you know, so he's not stuck in one style. He uses a lot of different tools to communicate with the players and those around him. Sarcasm <laughs> quite <laughs> often and, and subtle ways and things like that. But there's one, I don't know if you know the one I'm talking about, but he, uh, he has a, a real strong confrontation with uh, with one of the players, and I think it's Jamie uh, Jamie Tart. That he uh, he goes up one side and down the other to us. I mean, certainly on his the way he would do it, <laughs> he, he 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 goes pretty firm uh, and tells him flat out, uh, which is very different from how he deals with most of the other situations. And so I found that neat because it's it's an example of him adapting to the situations, which he is actually really good at. He's really good at adapting while staying true to himself and his own core values and his own way of doing things, he is very adaptable to the situations, it seems. Well, it also shows, I think, that he's not just this, like, kind of, I mean, he's obviously not, like, a two-dimensional character by any means. He has, like, many layers to him. But I think that the fact that he can show some other emotion other than, like, relentless positivity kind of brought us back into, like, oh, yeah, this is a believable character. Like, I get that people can put on, like, a really positive face when they go into the coaching world and they step onto the pitch whatever um but at some point there's a breaking point um barry actually you and i were talking about this a few weeks ago around like what kind of role does an outburst have in in coaching yeah yeah i mean it it can it can have a powerful role particularly when it's not the way that you manage most things right when you're when you're kind of that ted lasso sort of character that transformational coach and you really put in the effort to do those, those pieces, kind of that out of character outburst can really kind of put people on their heels and, and kind of bring a call to attention for them. Right. And, and I think again, in the show, like it's a, he, there's a good example that, that kind of, you know, conversation with Jamie where he, you know, really just kind of brings Jamie kind of to the point of, okay, yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not paying attention and taking care of the little things that I need to, and helps him realize where he is, right? And and it, and it was used very effectively and and very emotionally, right? In the in the show, in a lot of ways. So, I, like, you know, there is a place for that. But when it becomes your, you know, go to method of when an outburst is your go to method of communication, then it 
then it just begins to fall on deaf ears, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, when, I, all, when all you do is yell, like, it, how is that effective? How is that breaking through? Yeah, I think that's what makes it effective is because it's it's a little bit out of character in a way, but but still done in a way that's very much in character because it's yeah. not uncontrolled. It's very scalpel-like. It's very specific in how he delivers it, uh, but it's very different from what his normal is, and that makes it more impactful. And, you know, I'm sure most coaches have had that experience. I think I shared with you guys before um, – in our coffee and coaching group um, that when I was a young coach, I usually had this one practice when I was coaching junior high uh, track and field that I would have this one practice every year where I would get to a breaking point and just snap and my gym voice would come out and I would yell at everybody to come here and sit down and listen to this. And I would do on a, like a five minute rant about what was supposed to be happening and what wasn't happening and what was going to happen in the future. And because the rest of the time I was pretty easy going, it, it people's heads snapped around like, oh, crap, what did we do to get him this riled up? And they realized and, and it was like I only had to do it once a year because <laughs> then after that, everybody was like, yeah, we don't want that to happen again. So it was impactful. Um, mine might not have been quite as scalpel like <laughs> as uh, as Ted's, but. Uh, it was impactful, but I think that's like an, an example again of him adapting to the situations of knowing how, I mean, in fact, dealing with that particular character, dealing with, uh, with Jamie, you know, he goes to his girlfriend and says, what is it that makes this guy tick? And she gives him feedback and he goes on that and he uses a, uh, uh what's t- a sandwich, uh, sandwich approach to give some feedback where he gives him praise because he responds well to positive, uh, praise so he gives him a little bit of praise and then he gives him the kind of constructive feedback. And then he finishes it with a little bit of praise saying you could be one of the greatest players of all time kind of thing. And so he goes and finds the tools of how do I get my message across with each person, you know, and it's, and with various players on the team, he has little things that he uses to get through them. Speaking of those little things to get through them, what do you think the role of the little cookies uh, that he bakes and brings to the the team's owner? I think it's it, it, two things. It creates uh, a ritual that, uh, you know, creates this link between the owner and the club that he probably sees as being very important. He doesn't want, you know, he wants that person to be part of the team as well. And so it creates this ritual thing that happens every morning when he comes in. Um, to make that connection with the person, to have an excuse to make that personal contact every day because he comes in with these cookies. And it gives the opportunity for there to be some kind of, even if it's just saying hello, every day they have a personal communication between between himself and, and the owner, which ends up being very important in the grand scheme of how things go through the rest of the, the rest of the series. That becomes a really, really key part of the whole changing of the organization or changing how things are going to go i think yeah it's less about the bribery with the cookies yeah it's an excuse to it's i think i looked at it as an excuse to make a personal contact with a person that you view as being very critical to being on board with what you're doing and and arguably as the head coach of a team of a professional team probably having the owner uh, you know on your side is probably a pretty important thing and, uh, and having that person feel like it was a good decision to bring you in and, and making them part of it. And I just felt like that's what it was. It was his way of, of creating opportunity to make that connection every day because he literally comes in every day. Yeah. I mean, he knows, he knows that what he's doing is 
is a relationship based kind of approach to how he's going to build success within the within the team and within the organization. So he's, you know, that's I for me symbolic of, you know, finding what that individual, the owner likes or wants or needs and, you know, then just kind of selflessly making sure that, you know, he he helps to connect that for them so that so that they their own personal connection grows and builds, right? So you know, once he knows that she's kind of, you know, fallen in love with these biscuits, right? <laughs> then it's then it's okay. Well, that's my little secret. I'll bring them to you. I want I want to make sure that I kind of, you know, I'm able to do something to do something for you, right? Like he wants to connect in that way. And I just I, you know, I think, you know, that concept for me, you know, is really powerful, right? Finding the way to connect with everybody in your organization, you know, and she's technically his boss. And when he kind of reads that she's maybe a little bit cold towards him or maybe not really open to, um, to having a relationship, he finds a way to, you know, endear himself to her to build that relationship. I, you know, I think, I think it's, I think that's a really, interesting piece and you know how do we apply that same lesson to our coaching is is a question you know to think about too right like how do we find what an individual needs or or likes and how do we you know help to bring that to them to to better our interaction and our ability to work together i love it well like circling circling back to kind of like the fixing the showers or like making it so the athletes don't have to pay to use the vending machine um like these little things that are kind of actually big little big little tasks that you would have to accomplish like for a coach to go out of their way and and spend the extra time to like really examine the full landscape uh, or the environment that they're working in um i think some might say like that's that's going to be too much effort too much time um I don't have like I, I I can't I don't have I can't do this right now. I have to focus on my yearly training plan or I have to focus on today's practice or whatever. Um I think too many people underestimate how uh how big those little moments are uh when you're trying to trying to create something new with the team. So yeah, I think that's a good point. How do you think uh Ted's coaching philosophy or this show made you re-examine your own coaching practices or philosophy? That's a good question. <laughs> um, again, I, I find it because I have had that experience of, like I say, of coming into different environments uh, as the new guy and trying to figure out, okay, how do I fit in here? And how do I, <clears throat> how do I become a productive member of this existing system? And, you know, just the way that he goes about it, I think there's some pretty good examples of, I think I mentioned before, he's, he goes into these environments very open to becoming a part of it. But at the same time, he also stays true to his own core beliefs, you know, his positivity and his, all these, these elements of his personality that make him a good coach. I think he sticks to those, he sticks to his guns on those, but he's also adaptable to how, what the culture is like. And, uh, you know, he keeps trying to drink tea um, throughout the show. <laughs> It never gets on board with it, but he keeps trying. Um, so he's willing to to sort of uh, adapt, but still stay constant in his core beliefs. And I and I think that that's something that I've tried to do when I've changed uh, locations. Uh, you know, I've tried to go and say, okay, well, 
I'm going to build a system that's different from the system I just came from because it's a different place with different people and different resources and everything's different. But I'm also going to try to stick to the things that I believe in and, and, and I'm going to try to instill those qualities into this new environment. And, uh, you know, thankfully I've been in the same place now for the longest I've ever been in one place. So I haven't had to, to do that, uh, again, uh, other than like, as a taking on cross country duties, which was a little minor change, but I do think that there's a lot to be seen from the example in the show of how to go into a new environment and adapt your coaching to what's there but still bring through the best of what you have to offer, right? I, I, I just think that there's that positivity obviously is the key central part of his sort of personality or, or where it comes across, but it's not the only thing. He reads people really well. He knows who the key players are that he has to get on side. And it's not just the captain and the star player. He knows who the other key players are in the team that he knows if he can get a little bit, you know, on get them on his side and, and or get them to perform better. You know, there's the uh, the Nigerian player that he knows is not playing up to his capabilities and he figures out a way to get that player to, to perform. You know, it's it's that ability to be aware of who are the key people, you know, like that's, now, in my my case of being in a in what we would call an individual sport, it's not quite the same as Barry's where he's in a team sport, but there's still that team environment and there's still those key players that are involved in making an organization overall kind of go in a good direction. But I suspect in a in a in a soccer dressing room, there's probably even more key examples of how that's important to be able to do. Am I right on that? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, there's in in a team sport environment, I think there's just those natural, I don't even want to say conflicts, but those natural pieces of, you know, if you have two strikers and you, and, and on your team and you play with one striker while one's not on the field, you know, if, if you're the goalie, there's always, you know, a backup goalie, like in, in hockey or in any of these other sports, right? Only one of you is playing at a time. And if you're a professional athlete, I mean, you didn't, you didn't get there by, by being okay, not playing. So there's always a little bit of tension with this idea of, Oh, I'm number two or I'm not in favor. And, and, you know, being able to navigate that as a coach is always a challenge, right? And I'm sure there's similar pieces in athletics that you have to manage as well, Steve, you know, if you only get to, you know, you've got to pick a four by four by 100, you know, you've got to pick the four players or whatever, or the four runners or whatever it is. Right. Yep. Um, but what I love and, and actually like what I kind of reflect back on, and I'd really be interested. There's two more seasons, I think already kind of, ready to go for this or signed on for and uh canada soccer in the last year or two years has started including a module on um transformational coaching within all of the licensing workshops that they do and i loved uh in preparation for this going back and watching some of these episodes with like my 11 transformational coaching behaviors beside me, trying to connect them with what Ted Lasso is doing. And you're just like, Oh, wow. Everything he does here fits into a fits into a piece of transformational coaching. Right. And, and you can really see this in action and, you know, having kind of been uh, exposed and seen some of these pieces, it's, it's been interesting to me for the last year since, since I kind of, first was saw it on a Canada soccer course. 
and it's just so cool to see it played out uh in a tv show like that like it's, it's just amazing because it's literally like behavior by behavior oh check there's there's behavior five. Oh, check there's behavior eight right and and it all exists yeah and i think it's great too because there's um i feel especially lately maybe it's just because i work in sport and i and i start to see some of the, like the really um terrible examples of coaching that's out there and and you're just like oh my god like is there ever like is sport even uh, a worthwhile endeavor anymore but then you start coming back to examples of of coaches like ted who completely exist out there in the real world like it's not like this is some like unicorn character i mean in in some ways he kind of is but uh there's definitely those volunteer coaches out there who are trying to make a difference and who are uh really positive examples in kids lives and and um making these really amazing changes to organizations uh so yeah I, i thought it was just incredible timing of just a this positive character coming out into the world and and just being like that's okay you could just come over here and watch the show for a little bit and and um so i don't know i just really liked that that ted was this kind of um was also a positive portrayal but in a totally different way and what could have been like a really corny way but ended up being really endearing i think i think that's kind of amazing that's exactly like it would have been easy for this show to be either corny and just make him very two-dimensional make him just oh rah 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 kind of guy the other way it could have you know which is probably why I didn't watch it right away at first was it would have been easy for it to be um, just pure comedy and just played over the top and fish out of water, kind of, you know, this American football coach and all the jokes could have been about how he doesn't know anything about soccer. And there's lots of those jokes, no doubt, but that's not the point of it. The point of it is it's just to create, the the conflict situation for him to be in but it's not not based around that that concept it would have been real easy for it just be a cornball comedy about a fish out of water oh i don't like tea and what's offside you know like that could have been the main jokes but they weren't yeah they, that, it's so well written yeah that's why i said the show had no business being as good as it was because yeah. that's exactly right the premise of it is totally ridiculous and was was just perfectly lined up to be that kind of just slapstick comedy like yeah. pretty like casual viewing kind of uh kind of category of tv but i didn't expect it to just really like hit me right here imagine imagine if they had cast will ferrell as the coach yeah yeah exactly would have been um, <laughs> it probably would have been a very different story but i want to come back to something that, that barry said that i think was really important when he talked about um you know how like in soccer and team sports you have this inner interplayer tension or, or potential conflict and that you know there's only so many people to fill that position or whatever and, and I think there's great examples of how he uses that to his advantage um in the show he 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 pits um sort of the the young superstar with an even younger superstar uh to try to you know mold him along to to be a little more of a team concept player rather than I'm the I'm carrying this team on my back and he, and, and, and he uses the, one of my favorite characters in the whole show, Danny Rojas <laughs> uh, football is life. I love <laughs> that guy. And, and he almost is a two dimensional character to a certain extent because he is just so joyful. And so um, he is like, it's almost like some of the players are each little embodiments of, of, of Ted. <laughs> And he is definitely the positivity of Ted 
encapsulated in one player. Um, but he uses that tension between uh, because I think uh, Jamie uh, is is hurt and isn't going to play or whatever. And so he goes, okay, well, I'm going to bring in this guy. And this guy's actually turns out to be quite a, quite a talented player. And so there's a, an immediate conflict uh, between the two players, or at least coming from one direction. But Ted creates that to try to get the best out of, out of Jamie Tardy. He tries to sort of like, look, there's always going to be, you know, somebody else come along, but if you're going to be great, you have to respond to this and you have to, to do what needs to be done to be a great player and not just be a flash in the pan. Like I can score goals, but I'm going to have a limited career because I can't, you know, do everything. And uh, it's kind of neat that he uses that, that tension between the players to get the best out of them rather than it being a negative thing. He uses it in a very positive way as you would expect Ted Lasso to do. And in the end, not again, spoiler alert to everybody, (laughs) but there is a key part at the end of the series at the end of the season um, where it come, kind of comes back to bite him in the, <laughs> in the ass a little bit. But we do see that the the long game of him trying to make this guy into a better player is taking effect. Like we are seeing that Jamie Tart is realizing there is more to his game than, than he's been showing. And he's going to work on that and become a better uh, and a great player because of that. So, and Ted views that as a win, right? <laughs> Again, I don't want to totally spoil it by saying why he can, you know, why that's a weird thing to say, but. Um, oh, I'm totally fine for this to be totally, to be totally okay, spoiled. I think we, we put the disclaimer at the beginning of the good, episode. Good, because know what I love, I love the part that what ends up being the downfall of the team is that the success of this player, because of course he ends up, he's a trans, that a transfer? Is that what you, or a loan, I guess is what it is. Soccer confuses me or football, <laughs> football confuses me in, in how that is a real thing. But anyway, um, the fact that he gets, he gets the message. Unfortunately, it's a little too late for Ted, but he does get the message to that player. That player starts to realize if I'm going to be a great player, this is what I need to do. And you see that at the, at the, in the last episode. And again, spoiler alert, I guess, because, the cool part about the final episode of the season is that it takes you on this ride of like, Oh, it's going badly. Oh, it's going great. And then it doesn't go great, but there's still a positive finish to it, which is so Ted Lasso. (laughs) Even when things are going bad, even when things are going bad, it still comes out positive. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad that they ended the show the way they did. I think if they had, uh, completely won and everything was roses, it would have, that would have been too much of a corny ending for it. Yeah. So I'm glad that they kind of put the spin on it, like where they were almost there, but then they just missed it. But then that gives them more to focus on in the future. And that's like Ted's whole thing is like, uh, this long-term growth, like, don't worry, we're going to like, we're going to figure out the next season and then we're going to fight our way back. And then we're going to work on even pushing ourselves beyond. So uh, he's like, so undeterred by, by the the loss and the relegation that he's just like, well, that's not really my goal right now. My goal is to work with these athletes, which is, I mean, also kind of a privileged position because not every coach can say like, (laughs) I don't care about wins and losses because sometimes that really does dictate your job, um, your job security, but uh, (laughs) But at least here does at one point make it clear to them that actually wins kind of are important. (laughs) Yeah. Which was a great moment too, I think for, because Ted also changes and learns through the course of the, of the season 
like he again there is growth there's character growth because you see that he's learning from his surroundings and he is aware that he's in a different situation than he was before and he has to have different considerations for what is important and, and what he needs to focus on but um i did like that there was that little positive up note at the very end mm -hmm. uh, rather than just finishing on that downward crash there was a little bit like you see where things are going to go next season kind of thing yeah um coming back to um to your point around like you're a new coach coming into a new situation it gives a really nice opportunity for you to try something different uh and and throw the old system out the out the window and 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 try and put in something new something um that it will work to address some of the the team's issues maybe in a different way um but that doesn't have to always be the only time when you can make those changes too right like no. I, I think just like you were saying about how ted learns as he goes through his his season, I think coaches always go through that natural kind of learning phase through their their careers and um, all the time are, are adjusting. But I, I don't think you have to wait for that moment to come to you. I think you can kind of create that change. Barry, I see I see some some thoughts forming in your head. Oh, too many, too many <laughs> thoughts forming in my head. I don't know which ones I want to I want. I'm trying to spit out my mouth at this at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, I. Like in my like, kind of what's going through my head right now is is the incredible patience and trust in the process, right? And you know, as you talk about coming into a new situation and you've you know you're going to change and do things differently, we only met kind of the the manager that was in place before Ted Lasso for a brief moment at the beginning, the very beginning of the first episode, and you could tell that it was very much kind of a, a an old school mentality, like a very kind of you know what we would consider kind of old coaching techniques and so you could see that the culture change that had to come was going to be huge in order to to fit in with where uh ted lasso saw the world going and his like just you know unbridled youthful enthusiasm for the, for the world and how that was going to work and you know I think so often as coaches, we get these opportunities to kind of quote, make change and we want to rush it. We want it to be done right away. And he provides a really great example of, look, I'm going to put the building blocks in place and I'm going to let other people, you know, connect them and other people really cement these in place. I'm not going to force the cement in there. This will all happen. And, you know, for me, that was a huge, a huge lesson is, is the patience that he has. And I mean, you know, they play it out over half of a season or a month or whatever the length of this of this season one was. Um, but yeah, he just relentlessly trusts that this process is going to work, even when he's not having the success that they might want to have from a wins and losses perspective. And I think that's a great thing for people to learn and understand as they yeah. as they come into new roles or take over new things is to make change is patience and time and working with people and, you know, bringing them on board as opposed, as opposed to saying, here's the line, don't you dare cross it. Let's go. Like, you know, he doesn't do that. And I thought, I think there's a brilliance to that aspect of being new in an environment. You know, I don't know if that's even what you were talking about, Ashley. I was thinking no, I... so many different things, but that's <laughs> the one that came out of my mouth. No, we appreciate it. I, I think that's a great message too, for, for athletes. Cause in my situation, and I'm sure the same thing would happen with a, you know, in, in a soccer uh, organization, if a player comes into a new organization, 
uh, you know, they're going to have to go through the same sort of adapting and, and accepting of what's going on around them and stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I often have athletes that will come to train with me who have been training somewhere else, you know, um, you know, as a university coach, you sometimes have athletes who come in who have been training with a club coach for a number of years. And then now they're coming to you and you might have a completely different system of how you're going to coach things or the techniques you're going to use or whatever. And, you know, sometimes athletes come into a situation like that and they think that going to a new coach or a new training environment is going to be just like flipping a switch that suddenly they're going to discover some new miraculous level of performance. And the reality is it's a long drawn out process. You got to commit to the long game, uh, whether you're a coach or an athlete. So as a coach, you have to be willing to commit to what you believe is the right way to do it and stick with it and, and, and wait it out. And as an athlete coming into a different training situation, you also have to to commit to that long game of realizing it's not a flip of a switch. It's a, it's a growth process that takes time. And in some cases takes quite a bit of time for things to get changed and get cemented in place to move to that next level. And sometimes there's going to be some steps backwards, which the team suffers uh, pretty bad losing streaks during, uh, during the season, which is obviously not stepping forward, but in Ted's mind, he stays committed to what, the vision is because he knows in the long term it will lead to success. Even if in the short term, you know, they're not they're not winning games and they're not performing the way that the fans obviously would want them to, but he knows that the structures are in place to have a long-term success rather than short-term success. And probably in professional sports, that isn't often the case. I'm pretty sure head coaches get fired quite quickly when they don't have short-term success, which is why a lot of times you see a new uh especially in the NHL, I know it happens a lot. You get a new head coach comes in and suddenly they win, you know, a bunch of games and that's great. But then the next season they're crap because there's this instant quick turnaround feet, you know, kind of feature of, of having this new coach come in and the players, it's a shakeup as they will say, right. To shake them up, change the coach. You can't change 22 players, but you can change one coach pretty easy. So it shakes things up and wakes people up, but that's a short-term solution as opposed to committing to a long-term um, you know, development model where you're going to change things gradually, grow things from the bottom up. And, and that's definitely what, you know, what coach Lasso's approach is, is I'm going to commit to the long game and get lasting change rather than short-term flash in the pan, get a couple of wins, but do we, did we really change anything? And, and he's really committed to that. And he gets everybody else on board with committing to that gradually, grudgingly in some cases. Um, but it, 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 it's neat to watch, so many of these good examples of coaching behavior you know, modeled in this one character that it's, it's, it's so fun to watch. And I, one, one piece that I really love is um, I think it's in the very, yeah, it's in the very first episode where he first comes into the clubhouse and he and coach Beard are sort of checking things out and they go into their office for the first time. And the desks are on, uh, there's two desks and they're on opposite sides of the room facing the wall. And the first thing they do is turn the desks around and bring them together so that they're in the middle of the room uh, facing each other because they know that they're going to interact better that way. And and they know that they're both going to be involved in this and they can't be, you know, off in their little islands. I love that. And it's a very brief little snippet in the, in the scene, but uh, you know, in the show, but it's just them bringing their desks together face to face because that's the way they're going to interact. And that's the way that they're going to support each other to move forward. It's, it's there's so many of those neat little things that I see in the show that are what I consider good models of, of good coaching and and they're very and i i kind of wonder 
if the writers are aware, like they do, they have a consultant who's coming in and saying, <laughs> "Hey, this is good coaching behavior," or do just people understand these writers just understand that this is a positive, good way to to be coaching people. Like there's, it's so. No, no, good. there's a consultant. There's a there's a hundred percent a consultant. There's there's, gotta be. I mean, they didn't luck into it, right? Like they didn't. They didn't. You know, they didn't just go. Oh yeah, no, look at this. Like I mean, though, it's very deliberate. It's, it's amazing. Gotta be. <laughs> it's so well done, with all of those little, like I say, even a small thing like putting the desks together. It's just this, you know, five second snippet of of a whole episode. But to me, it's like that's yeah, boom. There's an example of of creating that right situation. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's so many little moments in the show like that that just kind of show you like how strong that that kind of those little behaviors become towards creating a, a bigger system um i i, I think too many people kind of overlook that in their in their process and and speaking of process as you're saying i think one of the things the show highlights nicely as well is that like it's important to enjoy the process like you'll see like ted out in the streets like kicking soccer balls with just kids in the community and he because he understands the importance of of kind of bringing faces to the organization that's so important to that community he recognizes how important that organization is to just to like the general town. Um, and he's like, okay, well then we need to be showing ourselves in other ways aside from just on the pitch, which is why he goes to the elementary school, why he kind of plays soccer in the field with the kids and, and kind of wins over, uh, wins over the whole, the whole town kind of towards him. The interactions with him and both the guys in the pub and just people <laughs> in the street as he's walking various places is fantastic. And yeah. he slowly wins them over and, you know, um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's neat to watch all the little bits that they've worked in there of, of, you know, again, just good modeling of, of how you integrate, not just as a coach, but as anything, how you integrate yourself into a new environment. If you were a person hired at a new job, whatever that job is, and you had to integrate with a bunch of strangers and, you know, he, he's a great model of how you adapt to a situation. And like I said, he, he's open to the changes. He's open to the challenge, but he also sticks true to his core belief in what makes him successful. He knows what makes him successful. He is a hundred percent aware of himself. He knows what his strength is and he uses it <laughs> continuously. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the, my favorite quotes in the whole show is in the very first episode in the very early on in the show, when they're on the plane flying, uh, over to England, him and Coach Beard, and uh, Coach Beard wants to have a sleep, and you can tell Ted is just amped up and doesn't want to sleep. But he turns to him, and he says um, something about, uh, you know, are we crazy for doing this? And and Coach Beard is like, yeah, we're crazy for doing this. And then he says, um, but it's like riding a horse. Uh, how's it if you're if you're comfortable while you're doing it, you're probably doing it wrong, <laughs> right? So if you're going to take on a challenge it's going to be uncomfortable and you have to be prepared for that and aware that that's what it's going to be. Otherwise it's not a challenge. (laughs) It's just a change of scenery. Mm -hmm. So he goes in fully knowing that this is going to be a challenge and ready for it and deals with it in a very constructive way. (laughs) One thing I'd like to touch on, I know we're we're kind of getting on into this one part that I love because I think it also relates to something we've talked a lot about over these last few months is coach health. And uh, he obviously has some personal struggles uh, that he goes through during the show. And one of the things I, I love is the Diamond Dogs. I love the support group 
that they create um, within the the sort of uh, co- I guess coaching staff or the the organizational staff. They create this sort of uh, self help support group that uh, becomes very important, not just for them too, but also one of the players uh, gets advice from the Diamond Dogs, and. <laughs> You know, it's that that idea of the, the coach has to look out for himself, too. And there's a, a very dramatic scene uh, in one of the episodes where he has a, a panic attack and doesn't know what's going on. And, and luckily, um, the owner comes to his rescue because he's formed this relationship with the owner and she cares about him. He's not just a pawn in her in her game. She's come to actually care for him. She takes care of him. And at a critical moment when he really needed somebody to step in and, and take care of him. And uh, there's, there's, uh, there's some good messages there about how the coach needs to take care of themselves, both whether it's through a support group or, or having somebody step in, but also realizing that that is an important thing, right? That is an important aspect, which I think most of us, a lot of us don't always think of, we're, we're thinking so much of, of what's best for our athletes or what's best for our teams, what's best for our organizations that we sometimes put ourselves in situations. And I've certainly been guilty of that many, many times in my coaching career of not looking at myself or my family and, and taking that into account and, and, and probably causing myself a lot of stress and, and things and problems that could have been avoided if I treated myself with the same care that I would treat one of my athletes. And there is that neat little side piece to the to the story, the Ted Lasso story of where he has a lot of personal growth and comes to some realizations and has a great support group around him to help him through that, which I, you know, I just think is, a neat, again, another little side story of, of where they went with this that I thought was kind of very uh, interesting and very relevant. Yep, totally agree. Um, I think so often that not only do you kind of coaches forget to put on their own seatbelt or or their own oxygen mask uh whatever metaphor you got you want um i i'm glad that they kind of addressed some of the more personal aspects of his life because it's really hard for i mean you guys know very well it's very hard for coaches to maintain any sense of work-life balance it's it's something i would love for them to explore more in the second season as now that we know that it's coming back for seasons two and three thank god um need more of of ted lasso in my life uh but I, I would love to see them kind of go into more of the um, like, now, how do you start taking care of yourself after you've looked at after the rest of the team? Cause it's yeah. so overlooked, I think. And it's one of those things that's modeled often in sports movies, especially football movies. The coach is always, you know, watching game footage till, you know, all hours of the night and the, you know, the wife is uh, resigned to, Oh, I'm not going to see him until the end of the season kind of thing. And like, yeah, is that, is that a good model? <laughs> Cause I don't think that it is, but it's the, you know, that expectation of, Oh, well, you're going to have to put in insane hours um, because you've been given the privilege of being one of the few people that gets to do this thing mm-hmm. and you need to do it. Um, you put on yourself a lot of uh, stress, I guess. And sometimes to the detriment, not just of yourself, but of those around you of, you know, and, and that's been the model that's been shown in a lot of sports movies. Yeah. I watch a lot of sports <laughs> movies. And, you know, it's usually, especially, say, the football movies, by and large, it's always the, you know, the, the coach who is never around because he's always at practice and he's watching game footage and he's doing this and he's doing that, whatever. And not a very healthy model that's been, 
that's been modeled in in most of those kinds of films. Um, so it's 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 I don't know if it's refreshing to see Ted go through this horrible situation, but it's nice to see it realized that these things happen to coaches. Coaches have lives. Coaches have you know a world around them that isn't just at the you know, on the pitch or at the track or whatever, they have a world outside of that and their life on, on the sports side can be, you know, very different from their, their life at home. And, and it can be very heavily impacted by what they're doing. And so it might be all positive at the pitch and that, you know, the results that you get from putting all those extra hours in show and you have a great successful team and great team building and everybody, you know, is, is succeeding and then the coach goes home and things aren't quite as succeeding because of that. And, and finding that work, work uh, home balance, I guess, is, is, has become a bigger issue that, that coaches are more aware of, I think. And I certainly went through, you know, we're not going to turn this into a, a <laughs> personal revelation party, but I certainly in my coaching career um, went through times when I was miserable um, even though I was being paid to do something that I love and something I thought I always would love to do for a living, there were times when I got pretty miserable because I let expect what I thought others' expectations were of what I should be doing get in the way of, of leading a healthy, balanced life. And, and probably, you know, in hindsight, probably made me not as good a coach um, because I was probably not performing at my best when I was at practices because I was not in a good headspace because I was stressed and because I was overthinking this and, you know, making decisions that were based on things outside of what I should have been looking at. And, you know, it, it's neat, I think, in, especially in a comedy to have those serious issues addressed and they're dealt with kind of funny, but also in a very real practical way. He has a support group and they offer reasonably good advice. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, in a funny way, but, you know, there's lots of good positive messages that come out of that as well. I think that, that uh, I was surprised that that was an element of the show and pleased that it was an element of the show. Yeah. I mean, when you're when you're not at your best and when you are are too stressed to kind of focus on even just barely taking care of that day's practice, you can't get to all that extra other stuff like fixing the showers or ensuring that the that players conflict is being managed or is being kind of controlled in a positive way. Like once you start losing control of like your own, your own ability to kind of govern yourself, like how do you, how are you supposed to lead the team? And it's tough. Cause like, just like you're saying, like the expectations, whether that's what you put in your own mind or if that's actually what's coming from the group could be sometimes two different things, but um, either way, it still puts a, a huge mental load. Cause the, the, the thought is always like, well, if I'm not like someone else is definitely doing this, like my rival team or, or someone else who maybe wants this position, like someone's willing to do this. So I need to step up and do this, but that's not always the way it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really tough to like stick to your guns and, and kind of establish that like, this is my process. This is how I'm going to work just like Ted did and, and, and kind of stick to it. I think that's maybe one of the hardest things to do in coaching. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, the, I know we're getting on a little bit. Well, I'll give you guys one more question and then we'll wrap things up. Um, what is like some of the biggest takeaways that you took from the show that you will be bringing into your own coaching life or, or just regular life? Like I said, I mean, I, for me, it's just, it's, it's transformational coaching. Like, you know, having a, having 
a an example of a coach that just truly believes in the process of empowering the people around them and being vulnerable and including everybody in their organization and in the running of the organization and the success of the team and putting their ego aside, you know, being able to see what that looks like. And I mean, you know, as Steve kind of references, it's a comedy show. Like it's, it's intended to be funny and a little bit tongue in cheek, but to be able to, to, to see that and reflect on, you know, how I, you know, have, you know, reflect or, or carry out those same behaviors is, is, is a, a really powerful tool. Like it's a really powerful learning piece. My, my wife coaches as well. She coaches rugby and as we watch the show, like we just constantly, that was our conversation topic was just constantly about um, how does this fit into your, into our coaching and what are we doing that, that is similar, you know, but maybe just looks a little bit different. And, and I think that that's a really, was a really powerful thing to look at. Cool. See. Nice. Steve? Yeah. I mean, I, th I think for me, it's to some extent, there's a lot of reinforcing of things that I kind of already believed in. I like to think. I'm probably not as positive as Ted Lasso, but I like to think that I'm a pretty positive uh, person. And I, and I like to think that I come across as a fairly positive reinforcing kind of coach. And, and so it just reinforces that, I guess, for me to think that, yeah, when you see it played out in somebody else, albeit a, a fictional character, it's still like, yeah, that is, you know, I'm not crazy here. This is a good way to approach things. This is a good way to, to, to approach your coaching and how to interact with people. And, uh, you know, I, I just love how it models all the things that I would like. I would love to be Ted Lasso to a certain extent, <laughs> you know, to be that positive, to be that solid in your belief, or at least seem that solid in your belief that you're committed to that long game. And, you know, this is the way we're going to do it. And, um, you know, just the belief that you're going to get there if you stick to your guns and, you know, again, he's adaptable. He's not rigid in how he goes about it. He's very adaptable and he's very fluid in what he goes, but he sticks to that core belief in this is how we move ahead. And uh, it's, it's nice. It's nice to see that model. And I, and I feel like it's, like I said, I just rewatched it this week and I took even more from it, you know, going through it uh, this, this past week than the first time when I watched it. And uh I just think there's so many good little takeaways on how we need to think about interacting with people in that day-to-day -day environment and how we can always be a little bit better and always be a little bit more positive in our interactions. And it's, you know, it's hard sometimes, but it's a good model to work towards. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be the treasurer of the Ted Lasso fan club. Speaking of which, Ashley, are you going to, um, talk about the fundraiser we're doing for the Ted Lasso <laughs> fan club uh, in an effort to get Jason Sudeikis on our, on our next, our next Ted Lasso. Oh God, I would die. <laughs> I, I gotta tell you, I'm, I was thrilled. Cause I had, I had sent out a couple of tweets, uh, which I'm not a big uh, tweeter, I guess. I'm not big on Twitter. I've, I've posted, you know, occasionally I post something and I posted a couple things about Ted Lasso and I tagged um, him and uh, the people in the show, whatever, like the show itself. And I was so hyped when I got a like from Jason Sudeikis for one of my tweets. Oh my god, that made my day so much. Um, well, if you've already established that connection, I think we have our in. I think yeah. I think we can make this happen. We could have Ted Lasso on one of these 
podcasts, I feel like that would be. Oh, I would absolutely die. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just book it for April. Sure. That would great. Be the best. Sounds great. Well, I thank you guys for being, uh, for, for attending the meeting today. But I appreciate your time and effort on this. That concludes uh, today's meeting of the fan club. Um, I'll be sure to send out the minutes for, for approval uh, after after we conclude today. We'll be back with the Coach's Plan podcast in a couple of weeks uh, with Stephanie LeBreton. Um, she's got some cool plans for you guys. Um, but in the meantime, uh, everybody stay safe. Um, enjoy your socially distanced practices if you're able to get to them. There's one takeaway that I have from from watching the show is just that we could all we could all be a little bit more Ted Lasso. And and on that note, uh, have a great practice. Have a great day.